0: by you Bless the Lord, bless the Lord, bless you Lord, bless your name, we worship you oh Lord. Jesus, oh Jesus, oh Jesus, Jesus, hallelujah, we love you Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We worship you. We worship you. We worship you. You are worthy of it all. Jesus, we lift up your name. We honor your name with our voices,
1: with our hands, with our lives. We lift our hearts to you. Hallelujah, thank you that you unite our hearts, join our hearts together. Common love
0: and common purpose. Hallelujah, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. God is good. Hallelujah.
1: Before you're seated, why don't you introduce yourself to several people around you. And then after you've done that, you may be seated. I think we're going to keep the youth in here uh, for just a moment. Pastor Chip is letting me know what to do. Yes. He just texted. For those of you who are worshiping with us online today, we're so glad that you have joined us. We trust that you'll be ministered today by the Word of God and the Spirit of God. Amen. Praise the Lord, amen. So glad to be in church today. We're glad that you're here. We're worshiping together. And if this is your first time worshiping with us, if you wouldn't mind just uh, filling out the connect card on the seat in front of you and putting that in the offering. If any way we can be a blessing or pray with you, we, you can let us know through that card. Also, uh, we wanted to let you know um, we haven't said anything about this in a while. But the sound is different in different places in our room, okay? So it is louder up front, it is quieter in the back, and the middle, I don't know, what is the middle of it? I don't really know. Anyway, but if you don't like the sound in your seat, basically... Most people, the vast majority of people in here have their seat. Eschevias have that row right there. Yes. So we, we kind of know some some people like to switch their seats, uh, but most are in the same general area. We are creatures of habit. I've sat on that second chair there for decades. Anyway, um, if you don't like the sound where you're sitting, if it's too quiet, or if it's too loud, I want to encourage you to venture out next Sunday or even this Sunday and try a different place because you will find a place in this building that suits your liking to the how loud or quiet you want the service to be. Praise the Lord. Can everybody say amen? Amen. Well, this has been our uh, 38th anniversary month that we've been celebrating. And so uh, today we have something a little different for you. We have a video that we're going to show you. This is a surprise to Pastor Mike. He did not want me to tell him what it was. He wanted it to be a surprise. And, um, what we did is we had a few, uh, not all, but a few of our former employees, people who have worked through us, with us, for us through the years, made a video. Um, the, the, the people that we contacted, and again, these this isn't everybody, but these are kind of people that we keep in touch with, and um, they, uh, who have uh, either... Uh, They are pastoring a church now. They left our church and they went on to uh, either go pastor a church or maybe they went to Bible school and then they went to pastor a church, but they're from our church. And um, they either pastored a church, they are pastoring a church, but they're all in active ministry now. And, um, you know, Jesus said that he desired in all of us and in all of our life, I mean, the most important thing is that we produce fruit And that our fruit remains. That's so important. You know, um, I've learned that through the decades to just, uh, you know, a steady life uh, that faithful to the Lord is really the most blessed of all lives. Amen. So we're going to show this. I won't talk anymore. We're going to show this video to you. And um, the the top of it is, uh, if, you, if you've never watched our TV program, that's how our TV program starts at the top. So you'll get to see that before each of those speaking. Okay. You can go ahead and run that video.
0: This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. building
2: strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. Hello, Pastor Mike and Beth. Christian, I just want to give you guys a big congratulations here from Boise, Idaho, where we've been for the past 16 years, and we're serving on the pastoral staff at Life Church. Hey, thank you so much for the opportunity to serve under your leadership and on your staff in the mid to late 90s. Tell you what, the hunger of God that both of you showed and the spirit of excellence that you exhibited and that was th- throughout your church, i tell you what, that's a part of who we are today and we're thankful for God for the years that we were able to be with you. And yes. speaking of years, Christy was in your church 12 years, <laughs> I was there six, so just thank God that uh, I was able to receive from the Lord in six years, what it took her 12 years to get before we left. But God gives grace to the humble. Amen.
1: <laughs> Pastor Mike and Beth, we really are so thankful for the precious years that we had with you. We've been gone for 24 years, but your family really is so dear to us. And I just want you to know that uh, your love and integrity really did establish a firm foundation in Mickey and I that has kept mm-hmm. us through these years. So I just wanna tell you thank you and we love you so much.
2: I tell you what, Nick Saban may have retired, but you're still there. (laughs) Roll Tide.
3: We all know when someone says yes to Christ, anything is possible. 38 years ago, a vision was planted in the heart of two incredible pastors that thousands around the globe are reaping the fruit of today. Many of you have been raised in this church and it's truly been a place of hope and healing for all generations. I mean look around, your kids, your grandkids, people you've grown up with are here because of all that God has done and all that God in faith is about to do. I was blessed to be involved here for 11 years growing up in kids and youth and young adults ministry Before God called me to the great state of Texas, where I currently pastor, our family didn't make church an option, and it set the foundation upon which I stand today. We desired to be in the house of God under the biblical teaching of Pastor Mike and Beth. Those years have forever impacted me to live a life fully committed to God. So happy birthday, FFC. May the next 38 years be the days you've been praying for. God is just getting started. Pastor Mike and Beth, I love you both very much.
4: This is Sean Morgan, and I would like to take this opportunity to thank Pastor Mike and Miss Beth for the opportunity to work with them uh, during 1997 to 2003. Uh, we went through two name changes, of uh, Word of Faith to Foothill Family Church, and um, it was just an amazing experience. I learned so much. Pastor Mike was a mentor to me, and uh, and really set me on the course to do what I do now, which is uh, ministry. I've been doing ministry full time ever since I started in 1997 with them. I have just continued. God has taken me from step to step, and I'm going to share a few of those steps uh, with you while I'm talking today, just to uh, give you an idea of where we've been and what we're doing. You know, I met my wife. At the end of the time with Foothill Family Church, Becky, I married her and her son, Devin, who became my son. And then after we said goodbye to Foothill Family Church, we moved to Olathe, Kansas. And I was uh, the music director at a church called Indy Creek Community Church. We were there for two years, had an amazing time, and uh, God opened the door for us to help a friend plant a church in Denver, Colorado. Uh, So I actually moved to Denver there and I became a co-pastor. We helped them get everything up off the ground, uh, got them moving, and then I got a call from Clovis, New Mexico, from Brian Marzoff, who's also a former member of Foothill Family Church, and he asked me to come and help them as an interim uh, worship guy uh, in a church called um, Faith Christian Family Church. The pastors were David and Roxanne Swan in Clovis, New Mexico, and I went there for a year and helped them install some sound systems get get some stuff together and uh um and then we we had an offer to move back to denver uh to work in another church called praise church so i was in close new mexico for a year and then we moved two years back to um, praise church and i was the worship pastor there so um for two years and then i got an opportunity uh which was an amazing opportunity for me because i always loved maryland hickey ministries and her church is there in, uh, in Denver, and they hired me as their worship pastor. And I was there for seven years, uh, was just had a blast. Uh, it was wonderful, learned so much from Marilyn and, and their crew as well. And uh, at the end of that seven years, our, our parents were getting older. Um, my wife is from Cincinnati, Ohio. I'm from southeastern Kentucky. So we decided to plant a church in the Cincinnati area so we could be back closer to our family. And uh, we moved back, we we planted a church, and uh, for seven years worked with that. During that time, we were able to be with our parents. Our parents passed uh, and they moved on and we felt that God was calling us to uh, Florida. (laughs) I know that sounds funny, but uh, we are now in Bradenton, Florida. We turned our church over to someone else and they're now running that in Cincinnati. And um, we had a great time there. the relationships that were built there, we, we will always have and we'll always stay in contact. We are now working uh, at Kirkwood Church. It's in Bradenton, Florida, and I'm the uh, associate pastor, and I oversee contemporary worship, technical, and media. I mean, everything changed, right, with 2019 and COVID. Um, so I've basically been doing the same thing all these years, thanks to Pastor Mike and Miss Beth, giving me the chance to, to step out and, and, and do what, God had called me to do, and I'm still doing it today, and who knows what God has in store for us here in the near future. I believe Jesus is about to come back personally, Uh, so I'm trying to stay busy and getting people saved and moving in the right direction. So uh, I just wanted to tell you one more thing about the time that we were in Olathe, Kansas. We had my daughter, Abigail Morgan, who is almost 20 years old now, and then While we were at the end of our time with Praise Church, uh, we had twin boys, uh, Sam and Zach Morgan, and they are now 14 and freshmen in high school. So we have um, four kids and a five pound little fur ball named Ruthie. Hopefully this helps out. Love you guys. If there's anything I could ever do for you, please let me know. Love you guys very much. Hey,
5: Mike and Beth, happy anniversary. We are so excited that you are
1: celebrating 38 years at Foothill Family Church. I remember when, what, 1990, I started working for you guys and as your secretary, and I learned so much from you guys. That's a lot of what we're doing now is, yeah. is because of what we learned from you guys.
6: Well, we really love you guys. It was a pleasure and an honor to be part of Foothill Family Church in those early years mm-hmm. uh, as youth pastors, uh, the stories of playing basketball in Mike's pool, in Pastor Mike's pool. Um, I think I won. I don't know. It's been so long. I'm sure I dominated him or something. (laughs) Not, right? Uh, But we had just great times uh, doing the youth, serving you guys as you follow God's plan for your life. Pastor Beth, we love you so much. Yes, we do. Everything we're doing today we got from you and I it is an honor not only to have worked with you in ministry and what God's called you to do but also just to have you as my pastor now and uh, we love you guys so much
7: happy anniversary
5: happy anniversary love you
7: congratulations to pastors Mike and Beth Webb and Foothill Family Church on 38 years of faithful ministry
3: We had the honor and the privilege to be a part of this church from 1988 to 1999.
7: The word preached under your ministry has equipped and enabled us to be in the ministry ourselves. Our church has recently celebrated our 20th anniversary and I could not see us accomplishing this without what has been invested into us through the ministry of Foothill Family Church. Thank you for the word preached. Thank you for the impartation. And we celebrate with you and look forward to many more years of effective ministry. Thank you for being true to your call. God bless.
0: Thank you, we love you.
3: Bye-bye.
6: Hey, Foothill Family Church, it's Pastor Dan and Pastor Michelle from the Bridge Church in Salt Lake City. And we're just checking in to say happy 38th year in pastoral ministry. (laughs) Holy cow! At Foothill Family Church, Uh, congratulations. Such a job well done. Uh, Plus the years with Brother Hagen in ministry, Pastor and Beth, you guys are kingpins. Yeah. in in ministry and uh, we thank you for what you've sown into us the mentorship of uh, your preaching pastor preaches real well in South City <laughs> yes, it does as well so from both of us to both of you guys uh congratulations thank you again for your sewing your time your mentorship your leadership uh putting up with us for uh, almost 10 years working there at ffc back in the day so you have to get the way back machine for us but We appreciate everything (laughs) about you guys. Congratulations. And God bless you. And God bless your families. Happy anniversary. We can't say enough how thankful we are to be proud of such a rich history. We teach what you taught us. We walk out and live what you walked out and lived. As an example in front of us, Pastor Mike and Beth, we love you so much. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. Foothill Family Church. God bless you guys.
1: So anyway, I know that was a little long, but some of you probably have gone back that far and you remember some of those folk. And uh, we just got a handful of people. And, you know, we don't really talk about, especially my husband, he he doesn't talk about things, right? But we have had some wonderful people who have been a part of our church, who have gone on and they've started churches and they're serving the Lord. And we're we're so grateful for that. And they, uh, they mentioned on there, Brian Marzoff, I think, Mark remembers Brian Marzoff. I didn't, I even forgot about him. We've even written him. Anyway, so praise the Lord. Thank God for the good that's being done around the world. Amen. Praise the Lord. We're going to give you an opportunity this morning to give. You can find an offering envelope in the seat in front of you, or you can give electronically. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord for all that you do in the earth and all that you have done. And so we bring our tithes, we bring our offerings to further the kingdom of God. We thank you that you multiply it. In Jesus' name, amen.
5: Well,
8: you all are welcome to join us for this last song. It's been a while, but...
9: Our confession. This is our year of Jubilee. We expect manifestations of the Holy Ghost and power. We believe for financial miracles and miracles of healing in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, we worship you, we magnify your holy name. Father, you've been so good to us. You've always been faithful. You've always provided what we needed. You've always been there for us. We thank you today, Father, for utterance and direction in the Spirit of God. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Amen. Turn with me to Leviticus chapter 16. I want to talk to you this morning about the Day of Atonement. This chapter will give many of the details of how the Jewish ritual was carried out. But before the information came from God through Moses to the children of Israel Leviticus chapter 16 verse 1 and the Lord spake unto Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron when they offered before the Lord and died God is very specific concerning his commandments And somehow, we don't have any information about it, but somehow or another, the two sons of Aaron went in to the Holy of Holies without proper preparation. And as a result, they died. In the Holy of Holies was the Ark of the Covenant. And the Ark of the Covenant was created in such a way as there was a lid that uh, was part of the Ark of the Covenant and there were golden angels that were facing one another on top of the Ark and between the wings of the angels that touched, there was a seat that was in the, the lid, the upper part of the lid. And that seat was either a judgment seat or it was a mercy seat. We know the importance of the blood of Jesus. One of the things that Moses was commanded to do on the Day of Atonement was to sprinkle that seat with blood. And if he did that, or doing that correctly, properly, made that judgment seat a mercy seat instead. I was thinking about this, and I think it's true with most, if not all of us. Our point of view about about God is gonna come down to one of two things. We either see God as an austere judge that's waiting for the opportunity to get his children because of the transgressions and and iniquities. So the two ways that people perceive God is either as an austere judge where he's keeping his eye out on them for wrongdoing or we're gonna see God as a God of mercy the judgment seat and the power of the judgment seat identifies God's ability to bring harm and evil upon his children. But more importantly, the blood of Jesus makes that judgment seat a seat of mercy where we are watched over and taken care of by our merciful and just heavenly Father. So I'm going to read down through some of these verses in Leviticus 16, verse 2. And the Lord said unto Moses, Speak unto Aaron, thy brother, that he come not at all times unto the holy place within the veil before the mercy seat. Which is upon the ark, that he die not. For I will appear in the cloud upon the mercy seat. Thus shall Aaron come into the holy place with a young bullock for a sin offering and with a ram for a burnt offering. He shall put on the holy linen coat, and he shall have the linen breeches upon his flesh, and shall be girded with a linen girdle. And with the linen mitre shall he be attired. These are holy garments. Therefore shall he wash his flesh in water, and so put them on. And he shall take of the congregation of the children of Israel two kids of the goats for a sin offering, and one ram for a burnt offering. And Aaron shall offer his bullock of the sin offering, which is for himself, and make an atonement for himself and for his house. And he shall take the two goats and present them before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation." And Aaron shall cast lots upon the two goats, one for the Lord, one lot for the Lord, and the other lot for the scapegoat. And Aaron shall bring the goat upon which the Lord's lot fell and offer him for a sin offering. But the goat on which the lot fell to be the scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord to make an atonement with him and to let him go for a scapegoat into the wilderness. And Aaron shall bring the bullock of the sin offering Which is for himself, and shall make an atonement for himself and for his house, and shall kill the bullock of the sin offering, which is for himself. And he shall take a censer full of burning coals of fire from off the altar before the Lord, and his hands full of sweet incense beaten small, and bring it within the veil. And he shall put the incense upon the fire before the Lord, that the cloud of the incense may cover the mercy seat that is upon the testimony that he die not. And he shall take the blood of the bullock and sprinkle it with his fingers upon the mercy seat eastward. And before the mercy seat shall he sprinkle of the blood with his fingers seven times. Then shall he kill the goat of the sin offering that is for the people and bring his blood within the veil and do with that blood as he did with the blood of the bullock and sprinkle it upon the mercy seat and before the mercy seat. And he shall make an atonement for the holy place because of the uncleanness of the children of Israel and because of their transgressions and all their sins. And so shall he do for the tabernacle of the congregation that remaineth among them in the midst of their uncleanness. And there shall be no man in the tabernacle, tabernacle of the congregation when he goeth in to make an atonement in the holy place, until he come out and has made an atonement for himself and for his household and for all the congregation of Israel. And he shall go out unto the altar that is before the Lord and make an atonement for it, and shall take the blood of the goat, of the bullock, and the blood of the goat, and put it upon the horns of the altar round about. And he shall sprinkle of the blood upon it with his fingers seven times and cleanse it and hallow it from the uncleanness of the children of Israel. And when he has made an end of reconciling the holy place and the tabernacle of the congregation and the altar, he shall bring the live goat. And Aaron shall lay both his hands upon the head of the live goat and confess over him all the iniquities of the children of Israel and all their transgressions and all their sins putting them upon the head of the goat and shall send him away by the hand of a fit man into the wilderness and the goat shall be upon him shall bear upon him all their iniquities unto a land not inhabited and he shall be let go and he shall let go the goat in the wilderness boy God must be really serious about the serious nature of the atonement that is to be made for the sins of Israel. He gave them fair warning about what things were to be done and how those things are to be carried out. But the scapegoat, And the story about the scapegoat is really to, to manifest to us or show us one of the things that I believe to be a most important thing. And that is, God is a God of substitute. He is a God of substitution. God's plan from the beginning Before man ever sinned and fell in the Garden of Eden, God's plan was to fellowship and live among his people. But man, having been made unrighteous by the sins and transgressions of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, there had to be a way for God to restore man's righteousness because without that there's no way that we could be a part of God's family and there's no way we could have fellowship with God because of the presence of our own sin. So God knew that he was going to have to make a, a way for our unrighteousness to be Removed and our righteousness to be restored. But God's plan for that started off with the blood of bulls and goats being made a, as a sacrificial offering for his children. But then this became something that Jesus would have to fulfill through his sacrifice. The scapegoat was taken by the high priest. Hands were laid upon his head. And the pronouncement of all evil was confessed over the scapegoat. This scapegoat was appointed to bear the sins of the people. It was a once a year operation. But this scapegoat was pronounced evil by the sins that were transmitted to him through the laying on of the high priest's hands. And then this scapegoat was taken in the wilderness and turned loose for the judgment of God to fall upon him. Sometimes the scapegoat was eaten by wild animals sometimes the scapegoat just died out of hunger malnourishment but whatever happened to the scapegoat was the result of God's judgment that came on the animal so that God's judgment would not have to come upon man The scapegoat and the process of the scapegoat was fulfilled by Jesus on the cross, or it began to be fulfilled by Jesus on the cross because the part of the scapegoat could only be undertaken by the son of God being made sin when Jesus was on the cross and he asked my God my God why hast thou forsaken me God hadn't gone anywhere God didn't leave him but it was part of the process of Jesus being made sin and the Bible tells us that he was taken to the lower parts of hell which at that time, the upper part of hell was Abraham's bosom. It was a holding place until the Messiah came. But when Jesus died, gave his life as a sacrifice for you and me, he gave his life as a substitute after Jesus died on the cross and went to this lower part of hell, the place of the unrighteous dead, the Bible tells us that the wrath of God came upon Jesus like the ocean, the waves of the ocean The Bible tells us of the torment that Jesus endured by being made sin and paying the price for you and me. Folks, I personally believe that when Jesus was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane and the great drops of blood came from his sweat pores sweat glands, to the pores in his skin. I believe Jesus was seeing the wrath of God that he would have to bear. Jesus certainly suffered through the death of the cross. But the real suffering Took place in the three days after he died, after he was crucified, until he was raised again, resurrected from the dead. Now, look with me to Hebrews chapter 9. Verse 11, but Christ being come a high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and goats and ashes of, an, of a heifer sprinkling the unclean, sanctified to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? And for this cause he is the mediator of the New Testament, that by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the First Testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. For where a testament is, there must also be of necessity the death of the testator. For a testament is a force after men are dead, otherwise it is of no strength at all while the testator lives. This word testament corresponds to our understanding of how wills are carried out when there's the death of an individual, then the contract, which is the will itself, gains power and becomes the direction for the estate of the person that died, whereupon neither the first testament was dedicated without blood, For when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according according to the law, he took the blood of calves and goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the testament which God has enjoined unto you. Moreover, he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry. And almost all things were by law purged with blood, and without the shedding of blood is no remission. It was therefore necessary that the patterns of things in the heavens should be pur- purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true but unto heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Now the Bible makes it even more plain concerning the scapegoat and the action of the scapegoat after it was pronounced sin as a substitute for the people of God. Isaiah 53, verse 1, who has believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief the word sorrows is the word pains and the word grief is the word sickness he is despised and rejected of men a man of pains and acquainted with sickness and we hid as it were our faces from him he was despised and we esteemed him not surely he has borne our sicknesses and carried our pains yet we did esteem him stricken smitten of God and afflicted but he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. Verse 4. Surely he has borne our sickness and carried our, our pains. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Where it says he bore our griefs, this word is used, this word born is used concerning the scapegoat quite a bit because it means not just to lift a burden, it means not just to lift a weight, it means to carry it away so far as to be removed. Surely he has borne our sickness and carried our our pains. Christ's substitutionary work of dying for us and taking upon him the guilt of transgressions and iniquities to pay the price for poverty or lack of provision, which is a part of the curse of the law, and to take upon himself sickness and disease by removing it through the remission of sins. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed now the Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses let every word be established so let's find another truth text in the scripture that shows that Jesus took away the works of the devil and paid the price for us to walk in freedom and health. Galatians chapter 3, verse 13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. There's the substitution. He was made a curse for us. He was made a curse instead of us. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Now, if we want to know what the curse of the law is that we've been redeemed from, we've got to go back to the Old Testament. In the book of Deuteronomy chapter 28... Verses 60 and 61. Moreover will he bring upon thee all the diseases of Egypt. Which thou wast afraid of. And they shall cleave unto thee. Also every sickness and every plague. Which is not written in the book of this law. Them will the Lord bring upon thee. Until thou be destroyed. So every sickness. There's about 17 individual sicknesses. Specific sicknesses that are identified in the Deuteronomy chapter 28. But besides the ones that are specifically identified, it says that every sickness and every plague, which is not written in the book of this law, those are all parts of the curse of sickness and disease that we've been redeemed from. Now turn with me to Luke chapter 4, verse 16. And he came to Nazareth the first time Jesus has been there since he's been anointed of the Holy Ghost when he was baptized by John in the Jordan River. And he came to Nazareth where he'd been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for the reading. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Now, folks, we know how this turns out. We know that they failed to believe him because they thought they knew his father Joseph. They just supposed that rather than the virgin birth, which they knew of the Messiah, they think that him having the semblance of a normal family would keep him from being the Messiah. So these promises, these, this anointing, this power over sickness and disease that we see through other scriptures from the description of other town, specifically Capernaum, that Jesus began his ministry in. It doesn't benefit the people of Nazareth because they fail to believe in him. But these are the things that Jesus is anointed to do. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Jesus was empowered, anointed or empowered, to preach the gospel to the poor. He was sent to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Notice that he's anointed to preach deliverance to the captives, he's anointed to preach recovering of sight to the blind. The reason it tells us that he's anointed to preach or teach these things tells us that the anointing is on the word that was preached. The anointing is on the word. Now Isaiah chapter 10 verse 27 says that in that day Christ would lift the burden from our shoulder and take the yoke off our necks and the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. Most people read the Gospels and they imagine themselves to be in the crowds that Jesus ministered to. But they expected Jesus to display the power of God because he was the son of God or to display the power of God because he claimed to be the son of God. So they thought that Jesus was the anointed one But remember, Jesus said over and over again, the works that I speak unto you, they're not of me. He said that about the words that he spoke. The words that I speak unto you, they're not of me, they're of the one that sent me, which, of course, he's talking about from God. But the words that he was speaking and the ministry that he delivered to the people was a ministry that in great measure was dictated and determined by the preaching of the word. If the spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach deliverance to the captives, to preach the recovering of sight to the blind, then the anointing is going to be on the words. The words that he preached, the words that he taught, those are the words that are going to bring life and healing and deliverance and freedom. Jesus preached for the blind to see. He preached for his people to be delivered. He preached the acceptable year of the Lord. So since the yoke is destroyed because of the anointing and the anointing is on the word itself, then we have a right as children of God, a responsibility to take hold of the anointed words that will bring, fe- bring fe- freedom from sickness and disease into our flesh. When people received the ministry of Jesus by faith, they didn't all have to even be convinced that he was the Messiah. But they believed the words that he spoke. And as a result, the anointing was manifested in such degree to such a measure That in many cases, the people that were ministered to felt power go out of him and into them to set them free. It's the word that's anointed. It's the word that breaks the yoke because of the anointing power that's on it. So to take hold of the freedom that Christ came to bring us, the prayer of faith would certainly claim the power of God we need to believe we receive the anointing that breaks the yoke. That's what Jesus said the anointed word would do. Say this after me. I believe I receive. I believe I receive. The, healing power of God. the healing power of God. The healing anointing of God. The healing power to set me free from sickness and disease. (laughs) Now, folks, if the Word of God is anointed, then that prayer will bring the results, bring successful results every time. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, Jesus said, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. I believe I receive the anointing that breaks the yoke. I believe I receive the anointing that removes blindness I believe I receive the power of God over sickness and disease would God leave us powerless a lot of people believe that the apostles were the last ones to have the hating power of God and then when they died then all that changed but why would God leave us powerless when it says that he's born as our substitute sickness and disease Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law but would God not bring power to bear on that truth? That the blessing of Abraham would come upon us? Paul considered that an important thing to write about. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Curses is everyone that hangeth on a tree. And then he told us why God did that. That the blessing of Abraham would come upon the Gentiles. Well, aren't we going to need power to enforce the blessing of Abraham coming on us? Where's that power going to come from? Jesus said it comes from the anointing on the Word. Jesus is anointed. Jesus is called the Word made flesh. I believe I receive the anointing that breaks the yoke. I believe I receive the anointing that breaks the yoke of sickness. I believe I receive the anointing that breaks the yoke of sickness. That last part of Isaiah 1027, where it says, And the anointing shall break the yoke. Other translations talk about or speak to that with the word destroy. And the anointing destroys the yoke. The word of God triggers the power of God to bring the anointing to bear, the anointing that breaks the yoke of sickness and disease. I believe I receive the anointing that breaks the yoke of sickness. I believe I receive the yoke which is destroyed, that holds people captive. I believe I received the yoke that destroys. I believe I received the anointing that breaks the yoke of madness and blindness and astonishment of heart. Folks, if God is true to his word, then that brings the power of God to bear and changes us From being sick to freedom and healing. The yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. Amen. The anointing that we receive from the Word of God. The anointing that we take hold of from the Word of God. We can expect that yoke to be destroyed completely obliterated, wiped out. We serve a good God. We serve a God that made these things to be true. We serve a good God That wants us to take hold of the freedom and deliverance that belongs to us. I believe I receive the anointing that breaks the yoke of sickness. I believe I receive the anointing that breaks the yoke of blindness. and the anointing on the word of God that we hold fast to brings recovering to the blind puts us in the recovery room and it restores our eyesight I believe I receive the anointing that breaks the yoke of sickness I believe I receive the anointing that breaks the yoke of poverty and lack. I believe I receive the anointing that breaks the yoke of unrighteousness and that heals the brokenhearted. We think of brokenhearted to be emotions But that's not what the word means. The word means a breach in spirit. Sickness and disease is a breach in spirit. And that brokenness in spirit, that breach in spirit, will rob us. Of the work that Jesus did as our substitute by taking stripes upon his back through which we are healed. I believe I receive the anointing that breaks the yoke. Say that with me again. I believe I receive. The anointing that breaks the yoke of sickness. Is the devil big enough or strong enough to overcome that? Well, if he is, he's got some kind of power that the Bible doesn't tell us. The anointing that breaks the yoke is the power of God. Father, we thank you so much for the truth of your word. Forgive us, Father, because we sometimes think it's different from the way your word declares it. And we have so often looked for power to produce what the Bible says the Word of God will produce. Thank you for anointing your Word. And thank you, Father, that us taking by faith your Word concerning healing. I believe I received the anointing that breaks the yoke of sickness. We thank you, Father, for that has the same result as those that reached out to touch the hem of your garment. And just as by touching the hem of your garment, power was transmitted to them to break the yoke of sickness and disease over their bodies. We thank you, Father, that it produces the same thing in us. That the unseen power becomes the anointing that breaks the yoke. Thank you, Father, for teaching us. For SEEING US THROUGH. THANK YOU, LORD, FOR HONORING YOUR WORD AND PERFORMING IT. EVEN AS YOU SAID, WE BELIEVE WE RECEIVE THE ANOINTING THAT BREAKS THE yoke OF SICKNESS AND DISEASE. WELL, SAY IT WITH ME ONE LAST TIME. WE BELIEVE WE RECEIVE The anointing that breaks the yoke of sickness. Amen. I'm sorry, what? Okay.
1: Okay, so I know a few songs about the anointing, and uh, some of you may remember this song uh, from some years ago, and if you do, sing it with me. Brian, you're gonna to need to turn off that music, so I can figure out a key to sing this in.
0: Hallelujah. There's a sweet anointing flowing into this place. Step into the water and see. He will touch you, he will heal you, fill you up to overflowing. Step in and be set free today. Oh, I'm set free through his anointing, set free through his joy. I'm set free, I've been changed by his love. I've stepped into the water, flowing down from his throne. I'm set free, I'm no longer the same. Mm I don't sing that chorus while we're dying. I might sing it a little higher. (laughs) Oh, there's a sweet anointing flowing into this place. Step into the water and see He will touch you, he will heal you, fill you up to overflowing. Step in and be set free today. Amen.
9: Amen. Thank God for the anointing that breaks the yoke of bondage. Amen. We believe we receive the anointing that breaks the yoke. Hallelujah. We believe we receive the anointing that breaks the yoke. The yoke of sickness. The yoke of financial lack. The yoke of unrighteousness. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, if we don't go home, we can't come back. God bless you, folks.